you have a small group of giant multinational corporations. Three of them in particular have captured 97% of social media traffic. They have then taken it upon themselves to stifle our free speech. Hello, everyone. I'm Brandon Lewis, founder of the Tennessee Conservative. Today, James Taylor, president of Heartland Institute, joins us to discuss the topic of social media censorship and pending legislation in the Tennessee legislature. Taylor is also the former managing editor of Environment and Climate News, a national monthly publication devoted to sound science and free market environmentalism for many years. He wrote a regular column for Forbes magazine. Taylor has presented energy and environmental analysis on CNN, CNN Headline News, Fox News, Fox Business Channel, MSNBC, Boo, PBS News, our PBS Frontline, CBS Evening News, ABC World News, and other TV and radio outlets across the country. He has been published in virtually every major newspaper in the country. Uh, he has been featured presenters at conferences uh, sponsored by such groups as the National Conference of State Legislatures, uh, better known as NCSL, uh, American Legislative Exchange Council, CPAC, Cato Institute, and the Heritage Foundation Taylor received his bachelor's degree from Dartmouth College, where he studied atmospheric science and majored in, in, in government. He received his Juris Doctorate from Syracuse University. James, welcome to the program. Thank you for being here. It's my pleasure, Brandon. So let me note regarding MSNBC, uh, I, I think I was to a large degree to blame or to credit for the fact that uh, they won't allow climate realists on air anymore. So after schooling Chris Hayes and others, uh, they just stopped inviting me and they won't they won't even uh, uh, report what we have to say anymore. But it was fun while I was on there because it was nice to bring truth to MSNBC viewers as little as they are, as few as they are. Well, there are two or three people watching it. There may be as many people that watch this interview. Who knows? Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, it's it's interesting. The world of the world of news has changed a lot in the last 20 years um, and not not for the better. So talk about, you know, news used to be. Uh, it used to come through one channel, right? And public opinion used to come right. through one channel or a handful of them. You had your networks, then cable news was a big difference. You had talk radio and then social media uh, came up and every person has a little bitty printing press and they can, if people care to hear what they say, you can get it out just like common sense uh, was published, uh, you know, with, with men in aprons, one piece of paper at a time. Uh, now today, conservative thought uh, and other thought is published on social media. So talk a little bit about what you're seeing with social media censorship nationwide and the impacts it's having on conservative thought, policy, and politics. Yeah, thanks for, uh, for that question, Brandon. This is really one of the most important topics that state legislatures are facing today. Because, as you mentioned, if we go back to the days of our founding fathers, people would gather in the town square, uh, gather in the pubs, they'd share ideas, they'd hand out pamphlets. That's how political ideas and cultural ideas and scientific information and debates were spread and disseminated. Then over time, uh, the telegraph transmitted news back and forth. The telephone is how people primarily communicated with each other 50, 60 years ago. And now it's social media. Social media is the primary venue 
by which people share ideas. So that's a wonderful thing. Um, but the problem is this, you have a small group of giant multinational corporations, three of them in particular have captured 97% of social media traffic. Now, in and of itself, companies that gain large market share aren't necessarily a bad thing. Usually companies are very successful because they provide goods and services in a way that people enjoy, uh, in a way that's better than, than their competitors. But in this case, after gaining this incredible market share through putting out in Facebook a platform that is user-friendly, and then basically people look for one uh, venue by which they can, if I meet someone at the airport, I know they're on Facebook. So I say, hey, find me on Facebook. The problem is after gaining that market share, they have then taken upon themselves to stifle our free speech. And our founding fathers emphasize the importance of free speech and the threats to free speech, yes, from government, but also from private actors. So the Declaration of Independence, first principles, our founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson wrote it, and the other founding fathers agreed to it. Thomas Jefferson wrote, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights. Among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to excuse me, that to protect, it's not protect, um, but to protect these rights, governments are instituted among men. To safeguard these rights, governments are instituted among men. So free speech is obviously one of those unalienable rights. And our founding fathers noted that the reason why governments exist, look, I'm a very limited government guy, but there's a reason why we're not anarchists. There are threats to our unalienable rights. We have rights and there are threats to them. That's why governments are created. And in this case, the threat to, well, our free speech rights precede the existence of government, and so do the threats. Our founding fathers noted that. That's why governments are instituted. So in this case, we have three giant corporations that took over social media, the primary venue by which we share political ideas, and now they're stifling speech for anybody that criticizes leftist ideas, the Biden administration. And this is something that state legislatures can and should step in to the gap because the federal government, so long as it's controlled by Democrats right now, are going to do nothing. And by the way, Facebook, Twitter, what they do is they act as the enforcement arm of government free speech uh, uh, obstruction or free speech, whatever government speech codes, I guess is the best word. And in this case, not only in that regard do we see a violation of the First Amendment, but more importantly, again, our unalienable free speech rights, which existed before the First Amendment was created. We have free speech rights, not because the First Amendment gave it to us. We've always had them. They're nature, they're, they're a condition of, human, of our human condition. So the, the problem right now is how do we fight back and ensure that people in Tennessee and elsewhere can share political thoughts with their neighbors, their friends, their family. And that's what these bills are intended to do. Go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com and hit that red support button. When you do that, we will send you a proud Tennessee conservative bumper sticker. Also, we will send you a Don't California My Tennessee bumper sticker, a directory of your state uh, officials in the House and the Senate, that puppy right there. And if you should give $50 or more, you will get this proud Tennessee conservative tumbler. Tell our listeners a little bit about Senate Bill 2161, which will be heard in the Senate Commerce and Labor Committee on Tuesday, March 8th. I'm glad I was able to help you rebook your flight. Yes. And House Bill 2369 
in the Business and Utilities Subcommittee, which will be heard on March 9th. So those are very close. We're going to be sending out action alerts uh, so that our subscribers uh, can do something about this. And in fact, if you look below this video in the notes section when it's posted and in the email in which it's sent, you'll find uh, the details for the committee members that you can contact for both of those chambers. So what does the bill do and why is it important for conservatives to get behind it? Okay, well, let me first address, as you mentioned, you're going to provide information uh, for contact uh, information for members of, of these committees. I cannot overemphasize how much impact it will have on these committee members if you contact them, because big tech's lobbyists are engaging in Orwellian logic, trying to argue that standing up for free speech is a big government uh, anti-conservative uh, measure. And, and they're very slick. I mean, they, they have suits that are more expensive than my entire house. They walk in wearing those, those big expensive suits. But anyway, the fact of the matter is legislators want to know where the people stand. And it's quite clear that most conservatives and hopefully most Americans do not want big tech censoring us, but they need to hear. Members of this committee need to hear from you. And I hear from legislators because I work with legislators all the time. Every letter that they receive or every phone call that they receive they basically assume that that represents about a thousand people. If you think, well, what am I going to do? One voice, they're not going to care. No, actually, because so few people are concerned enough to contact them and weigh in on issues, they know that when they're getting some, especially if they get more than one or two, if 10 of you, just 10, if 10 of you will contact each member of that committee, that'll have a huge impact. Now, what these bills do is essentially they recognize the reality that social media and the very few companies who control the platforms basically work as common carriers. Common carriers would be, for example, uh, if it's buses or trains, but also uh, that applied to Ma Bell back in the 20th century. In other words, they're public accommodations that are essential to life and that, you know, in, into modern life. And that we have to make sure that there is no discriminatory actions taking uh, that there are no actions that prevent people from utilizing what are these basic necessities of life. Now, in this case, for democracy, sharing ideas freely is, is a necessity. And in this case, if you're shutting down social media platforms to conservatives and conservative thought, you are undermining democracy in a way that is a bigger threat than just about anything out there that I can think of. So what these bills do is they say, the social media platforms are essentially today's version of the town square 250 years ago, of telephones and Ma Bell 60, 70 years ago. And if you are going to operate a social media platform, and if you're going to gain sufficient large market share that your actions can stifle and repress certain viewpoints, information based on what viewpoint they are, in this case, it's clearly conservatives, uh, then there are gonna be repercussions. Uh, uh, the bill allows people and also I believe allows the attorney general to file suit against such large social media uh, companies and to get an injunction to force them to uh, halt any censorship that they're engaging in and also has damages, statutory damages uh, that will deter such conduct and hopefully punish such conduct. Again, the point of the matter is this, our free speech rights are unalienable. And we have to make sure that nobody shuts them down. And more often than not at the Heartland Institute, we're battling big government because big government can get out of control and take away our rights. 
But we also cannot allow a few woke corporations to act as a de facto unelected government that tells us what we can and cannot do, that tells us what we can and cannot say. This is just as much of a threat, especially today with the size of the corporations that are out there. And again, most large corporations are large successful corporations because they provide goods and services that create value to society. But you cannot create a company that gains such market share and such power and then go beyond basically operating a social media platform, but then turn it into a weapon of suppression. When you do that, there needs to be protections for free speech. So you mentioned lobbyists being sent down to Nashville. Uh, anytime liberty or freedom has been murdered, typically if you check the prints on the knife, the lobbyist fingerprints are all over it, and, and usually like a trail of pack money uh, <laughs> litters the floor. And uh, so what type of uh, opposition do you think that we'll see to this legislation, uh, both at the Capitol and then later litigation if it passes? Well, I'm glad you asked. And there are certain things that decorum requires that I not bring up or say in front of the committee because it would be seen as incendiary, but, but I wish I could. So, so I'll bring up a couple of things right now. During the last hearing uh, about a week ago, uh, the lobbyist for, I believe it's Net Choice or whatever, they change their names now and then. So you, know, you can't really get a firm grip on who they are, but basically this is the big tech lobbying corporation. And the guy who testified made it a point to say, I am a conservative, we are conservatives as they stifle conservative speech and says, I'm a member of ALEC. Now for uh, viewers out there, ALEC is an acronym for the American Legislative Exchange Council. It's an organization of legislators across the 50 states, state legislators, and their principles are conservative principles. So he says, I'm a member of ALEC. In fact, I am the co-chair of the task force that addresses this issue. And then he speaks as if he implies deliberately that he's speaking on behalf of ALEC. He's speaking on behalf of conservative state legislators around the country. But the way ALEC works is this, you have, they divide it into public sector, private sector. Public sector are the state legislators, they call it public sector. Private sector is any other organization, person or group, if they give enough money, they can join ALEC. And if you give a lot of money, then you get to be a co-chair of a committee. They'll have a public sector chair and a private sector chair. So big tech gives enough money to ALEC that their lobbyist, Carl Zabo, is the co-chair of the committee that handles these issues. Now, an interesting thing that he didn't mention is that just this past year at the American uh, Legislative Exchange Council, uh, a meeting last, I believe it was, well, I forget the month, but earlier, uh, early last year, a resolution was proposed by a legislator, an ALEC member legislator that expressed support for these types of bills that would stand up for and protect online free speech. And a majority of ALEC legislators in the committee that handles this issue voted to support such legislation. So the, the big tech lobbyist comes up and talks about how he's the co-chair of the committee and makes it seem like ALEC supports what he's saying, when in fact ALEC legislators have voted exactly the opposite. Conservative ALEC legislators support bills to protect online free speech. And by the way, that's one, one other point when, when these big tech lobbyists come up and say, we're conservatives, I'm a conservative. An interesting thing is you can go online and you can find the campaign contributions that people make. And, uh, and this lobbyist and his boss, uh, they're, you know, they take turns testifying in state legislatures. 
And if you go and look at the campaign contributions that they have made over the years, the vast majority of their contributions are to Democrats. Uh, and, and, and the very few donations that are given to Republicans are given to people like John Kasich, who very few people would consider a conservative. So you have these slick lobbyists in their expensive suits and their trained speakers and presenters, and they come up and they tell falsehoods. I'm a conservative. And Alec, implicitly, they say Alec is supporting uh, my position. It's just the opposite. So it's so important for us at the Heartland Institute to participate in these hearings. And, and we go around the country. We're about the only group that does on the side of free speech. But this, this legislation, this idea of protecting online free speech, there are bills in over half the states in the country at one stage or another of, of potentially being passed on this topic. And we battle these lobbyists in each and every state. And it's David versus Goliath. They have all the money. Uh, they spend all sorts of money lobbying and influencing and glad handling legislators. But ultimately, legislators hopefully will listen to the people. The people are crying out for an end to social media censorship. And especially if you're a Republican, I mean, it shouldn't matter what party you are. It shouldn't matter what ideology you are. Online free speech, one would think we could all agree on. But especially if you're a conservative, if you're a Republican, and you are in the Nashville legislature, I would hope that you would understand that your constituents, your base, the people who supported you and voted for you, they're the ones crying out the loudest. I speak around the country on a lot of topics. The Heartland Institute, we address a lot of topics. But I can assure you that when I address the top, this topic, this is where the fire is in the belly of, of your grassroots. If you ignore this topic, I suspect you're going to have a lot of explaining to do when people say, hey, <laughs> what are you doing about this? Well, you know, uh, the big tech lobbyists made a couple of good arguments. So you'll just have to deal with the fact that you don't have online free speech. That's, that's a recipe for not only bad policy, but for political disaster. Well, I hope that it doesn't happen. And if it does, um, it, you know, we, we will let people know about it. And I, I like to wait about a month before early voting and I like to remind everybody <laughs> what happened the last two years. Uh, it's a very effective strategy because people have short memories and I appreciate you going around the country doing what you're doing. Cause then I tell this to our, our, our subscribers all the time. There is virtually zero money. Trust me. I run a conservative news publication. There is virtually zero money in defending liberty and freedom. There's a whole lot of money uh, in taking it away from people, uh, setting up uh, uneven playing fields, uh, crony capitalism, corporate welfare, uh, putting obstacles in front of small business so that big business can do better and, and compete and push people out. Uh, they're very freedom and liberty. Uh, it is something that you don't make a lot of money advocating for because there's not a lot of money to be made from it. But it is the, the fabric that holds our country together. And it is the legacy we've been handed. And we need to protect it and, and pay attention to it. So Brandon, can, can I cut in for just a second before yes, you go, go to ahead. Point. you bring up an excellent point. And one thing that I'd also like to to tell viewers is just how nefarious big tech and its lobbyists are. Because as a conservative limited government think tank, we interact with and we work with many other conservative think tanks around the country. And we're good friends with them. We're allies with them. We coordinate our efforts. What I found in this particular topic is that big tech has made a deliberate effort to buy off opposition from conservative and libertarian think tanks around the country. 
Um, I don't want to name names. They're friends and allies of mine, but I'm very disappointed. And the reason why Heartland is about the only group that's testifying in the state legislatures is because our friends and allies either have been bought off so that they're actually making arguments as to why big tech should have the right to take away our free speech, or they're staying on the sidelines silent. It's, it's frustrating. Oh, and, and by the way, one other point, after Heartland decided to get involved in this issue, a, a year and a half ago, we weren't involved in this issue because I believed that, well, I believe in the, I believe in the free market. I believe that there will be another platform that will form as a result of this demand that will be uh, occurring because of people being stifled on Facebook and Twitter and elsewhere. And that once uh, someone does that, uh, then we'll have options. And sure enough, my faith was rewarded briefly when Parler was created. And then what happened? Well, what happened was big tech got together, Amazon web hosting services, uh, Google Play, or uh, uh, the Apple, whatever the, the app, you know, the download for, for Apple apps, basically got together and decided to launch a nuclear weapon, so to speak, on Parler. They took away their ability to host a website. They took away people's ability to get an app. You could not access it. And Parler has never recovered from that. So when we started, at that point, it, it told me this isn't a free market. This isn't the, the, you know this is a this is a situation where you have just just three corporations that dominate ninety seven percent of social traffic and they will not allow competition either. They will use their power to shut down competition as well as our free speech rights. Once we got involved in this topic and last year when we started testifying in legislatures around the country and we were participating in American Legislative Exchange Council sessions on this, it's funny how I mentioned how big tech has been buying off um, public interest groups, think tanks around the country. Coincidentally, or not, I received outreach from a friend from another think tank who said, James, I have some wonderful news from you. Um, I have an opportunity where Heartland can have game-changing money, donations large enough to be a game changer for the future of your institute. I said, wow, awesome. You're quite the friend. Tell me about it. Well, okay, here it is. And basically what he outlined is it's big tech. And they said, well, well, you know, they, they understand that you might have a few differences on this particular topic, but look, over the years, we've stood up for big tech against excessive government regulation. We stood up for them as we do for all businesses for free market uh, uh, rights and marketplaces that they can engage in. I mean, we've worked with them in the past, but on this issue, we're not going to give in. But the implication was clear. Here you take their big money and they tell you, oh, no, 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 you're, you're, you're okay. You can still advocate what you want on this censorship issue. But what happens is as soon as you take it in and you build it into your budget and you're addicted to it, then you get the, you know, we've, we've been talking about this and um, we're not comfortable with you doing this. So, you know, you'll lose your game-changing money unless you get on board. I am happy to say, even though, believe me, we could use the money. Our, our, our revenues are minuscule compared to big tech are minuscule compared to leftist free market think tanks. But we made the decision, no, we're not going to get caught in that trap. Uh, but again, it, it's how they play the game, and we're not going to get brought into it. Well, if you take your 20 pieces of silver, uh, what are you? I mean, yeah. it's just it's plain spoken, and, and it, it's not only with, with conservative think tanks, it's with conservative politicians. I wrote a book called How to Raise Money for Political Office, and uh, – We've got a lot of legislators um, that are conservative that get what I call PAC welfare. 
They get addicted to that PAC welfare. They no longer have to go home uh, to their districts and raise money the old manual relationship driven way. And that PAC money uh, from medical communities, big tech, uh, corporations, chambers of commerce, NFIB, every time there's a conservative piece of legislation that goes up there, the lobbyists and those who distribute the PAC money come down and, and, and liberty and freedom and good conservative legislation just gets killed, gets killed, gets murdered. And uh, our, our job primarily, uh, or a lot of it here at the Tennessee Conservative, is like we report murders and murderers. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's like a death report when the session's in place. Like, who, who killed it? And it's usually, it's usually the same characters, um, you know, behind the scenes. And we're, we're, getting, we're getting somewhere with a lot of this. It used to be in our state that uh, when they did this sort of stuff, uh, maybe they had $10 worth of political capital. They could spend their rhino dollars, uh, $1 at a time. And now uh, make sure that if, they, if they're going to kill something, they're going to spend 550 So you can do it twice, but everybody's going to know the second time and the first time. And so you, so that's, that's, our, that's our, it makes me really popular up there. Very popular. Uh, <laughs> I used to do that in Florida. I know what happens. You get a target on your back. So thank you, Brandon, for taking those bullets for, uh, for the freedom-loving citizens of Tennessee. Well, I do my best. And if y'all ever got legislation that you're working on down here, if we can get it out to our subscribers, uh, there aren't many conservative news nerds and there are even fewer conservative news nerds that will pick up the phone uh, or write a check or do something, but they're on our list. So if our readers want to know more about the Heartland Institute and your work, I know you just don't focus on social media uh, censorship. You have a much broader umbrella of things that you advocate for. How would they find out more about you and your organization? Well, you can go to heartland.org, and that is our main page. What we're most known for is fighting for climate realism against overly zealous, um, ridiculous, alarmist fantasy claims. If that's a topic of your interest, you can go to climaterealism.com. We update that site almost daily, sometimes multiple times in a day. Whatever the media climate scare of the day is, we'll debunk it uh, in rapid response. So that you know, if you're sitting in the stands at your child's little league game and somebody says, well, I saw that about on CNN, they were saying this about global warming and the hurricane that just struck, you know how to respond. Um, we also engage in of late, we're fighting back against ESG, which is environment, uh, social governance scores that are being imposed upon uh, the uh, oil and gas sector, uh, on coal mining, et cetera, where basically if you do not show that you're doing enough for environmental sustainability and for leftist principles culturally as a whole, you can't get loans to, to operate your business. You can't get loans to expand your business. And much like big tech is taking on the role of unelected government telling us what we can and cannot say. We have the giant finance companies like BlackRock that are taking upon themselves to say what other companies in this country can and cannot produce. Well, those are just a couple of the issues, but you can find us at heartland.org. We're fighting for freedom. We're fighting for free markets. We're fighting for conservative values across the board throughout the 50 states. Well, I will give you an invitation. Uh, and this is, I can only work on a, a few things uh, at a time. Uh, there's so much that I could chase. We, we, we picked a handful of things. Social media censorship is, is probably the number one uh, thing for us. I'm sure that will help our Excellent. Facebook exposure. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure nobody's noticing this or paying attention to it. Um, but if you want to, uh, if you if you start working on ESG legislation 
here in Tennessee. I think that I could be really helpful with that. And I've had several subscribers reach out to me about it. I frankly did not know as much about it as I should. I still don't. Uh, but it's something uh, specifically with state funds uh, and, and, and the investments that the state makes and, and how they uh, work the money at the state level. I think that's something that we could certainly get done. And I think there'd be an appetite for it in Nashville. I don't know that I could address that this session, but uh, there's always next year. So I'd love to love to have you on to talk about that and, and see if we could get something done on it. Awesome, Brandon. So as you were speaking, I just logged on to heartland.org, our main webpage. If viewers will do that, you'll see we have prominently uh, located on our website, we have an ESG portal that you can click on that. You can read about the issue, why it's important. You can read about legislation uh, that is uh, in the process of being considered and hopefully passed uh, throughout many states uh, to safeguard the ability of uh, private companies as well as government uh, in, in who and what government invests in what companies. Um, you can see what's going on there. And Tennessee can be more active on this topic. Heartland has been testifying around the country and providing information around the country on this topic, like we've been doing for big tech censorship. I would say that those are the two issues that have popped up in the last year or two, that even though they're issues that are just recently coming to uh, prominence, they are the ones that threaten our freedoms uh, more than most any other issues that we're facing today. So it's important that we respond rapidly and that we respond properly to those threats. Well, thank you for all the work you do, Mr. Taylor. I appreciate you being on this program. Uh, and if you ever come to Tennessee and you get close to Chattanooga, uh, swing by, I'll buy you a beer or a hey, beverage. I'll take you up choice. on that. All right. Thanks, awesome. Brandon. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. If you enjoyed this uh, and for more interviews similar to this puppy, you can go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com uh, in the video section, uh, hit that red subscribe button, and also search the Tennessee Conservative wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, I'm Brandon Lewis, signing off.